boy who plays soccer at 12 hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of getting into that territory, so I need to... I need to go get chiced up. You don't want to look like a, it's okay. a little I, soccer boy? I just, I would rather not look like that. No, I get that. The in-between yeah. phase of the, with going, like, it's, no, the, it's, there's that, that point where mm-hmm. it goes from too short. It's like, te- to, to, to or like from just right to too long. Me and the woman who cuts my hair, we've, we worked it out. It, we've figured out it's 10 weeks for me. Cool. I have 10 weeks. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Victoria. You know what I need? What do you need? A breath of fresh movie. Oh my god, me too. We're still shaking things up. We're still shaking things up. 20 eps in. Oh my god, this is the 20th episode. Let's go very sound 20 this is our 20th episode i don't know 20 felt like a special number so we decided to we're doing something that's like an homage to our starting episode that also shows an arc of progression i think yes um both our part and the subject's part elaine may yeah this followed a new leaf it did this and is the next movie i she think made. 20 follows one yes at the, you know as far as podcast episodes it's like go 20 episodes represent, I don't know, what, like, mm, tw- 20 months. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, like, Gosh, we've been doing 20 this? injustices. 20. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how 20, to 20, it. It's been 20 weeks. Maybe 20 significant to Elaine in some way. I don't know. Sign- significant. Yeah. Oh, this is a Breath of Fresh movie. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to a Breath of Fresh movie. Yeah. I'm sitting across from Chelsea Pope. And I'm sitting across from Victoria Hartley. Yeah. And that's, I know you can't tell our voices apart, but that's who we are. I know, right? Our voices do sound kind of similar sometimes. sometimes. I'm working sometimes. on it, you know? Like, I'm working on it. I'm not. I'm trying to sound more like you. I'm trying to sound, I'm trying to. Oh, no. Every time. <laughs> this is just going to be like a dog chasing its tail. Then. Pretty much. Like, um, I'm going to become you, and then you're going to become me, and then I'm going to have we're to become not someone know. else. I think we should both, after last week's Elvira episode, yeah. I really feel like. We should rethink us as characters. I've, I could like, I could not agree more. Like, oh I'm still God. thinking about I mean, uh, the, the idea is the inspo of yeah, Elvira. Like I feel remains. like maybe the show will be taken over by two other people. Wink, I, wink. I, one day, not us. I could totally see that happening. But things we assume. I mean, we could certainly have. We can we certainly can talk explore more. more about guests. Yeah. I think the main thing I would base my character on Elaine Stritch, though, for sure. Sure, <laughs> which is great. I I like the yeah. idea of relating, uh, like having a character, but not. I just wouldn't want to have to feel the pressure of always trying to have to come up with like a joke line for the character. Like I'd want yeah. this to still feel very mm. conversational. It has to be in character. And, and yeah, just it would like it would be really grounded. Is if, yeah. if I wanted if oh, I were doing like this a character relates thing, so much to what we're t- what our movie is today. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's, oh my god, you're so right. Just, you're you're just you're humming right along there. Um, oh yeah. So every week we watch a movie that neither one of us has ever seen, and then we talk about it. Yes. And this week we haven't said it it's yet. It's crazy. We've done. Da, 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 da. this week the heartbreak kid that's right elaine may and neil simon 1972 that's right i watched it on youtube i hope me saying that doesn't get it pulled down 
Yeah, because you're not going to be able to fucking find it anywhere else. They never show this anywhere. Jesus Christ, I was trying to search it. I had to Google. It doesn't exist. It's not on fucking Amazon Prime. Also, it's not on Tubi. It's not on Pluto. It's not on Criterion. It's not on Canopy. It's not on... It's not on fuck all. I was so frustrated until I just saw, oh, it's on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. I mean, even locally... Um, one of the American Cinematheques, they yeah. did an Elaine May Mondays, but they didn't show the Heartbreak Kit. It, it's what? this is a hard thing to get a hold of, apparently, Which and is it's so seldom crazy. screened. It's fucked up, and you know it's all part of this whatever this 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 uh why is the world always... why is the world a fuck to Elaine May? Yes, and why I know is I the just world... said her name weird? But I no, it's fine. It's, okay. it's fine. Uh, yes, why why. She has been dealt so many knocks and like, okay, so last time we talked about her, you know, we encourage you to listen to our first episode, although admittedly the least coherent that we ever did. And it's, we're so much better now. I feel like maybe it isn't. I don't know. (laughs) I know we're doing pretty good. Actually. Um, I feel like we were hitting all the beats. We, we listen, we covered a lot of her, uh, general biography and a lot of what we could find out about a new leaf when we talked about a new leaf. This time around, you know, we've we've gained a a greater appreciation both since that episode and in the 20 weeks or so since we did that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think we've had time to, like, really settle on, like, the things that kind of make us angry, honestly. You know, we were were very admiring of her and, and respecting her stamina, but it's kind of fucked up that she had to have that stamina and that, like, yeah, she's right. kind of starting to get her due, but just now um and the more we read about her and understand about her career the more we realize she did so she beat down a path for a lot of people yes who don't necessarily even know they owe that to her she's a really Um, important uh uh pioneer figure and then she's also just fucking funny yeah dude which is like should be the first thing really you know i I mean i think her her appreciation of like naturalism uh, you know i think the way that that is conveyed between these two movies I think there's a respect for totally um, a very sort of dry but fun, grounded, natural comedy. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Like it just like it's very much focused on the interdependence of people, which um, yeah. I just have to say is just it's so funny that from this iteration would then come a fucking Fairly Brothers 2007 remake, which is okay. I'm gonna. I just, I know, I'm, I'm going to just... We're going to give Chelsea a section t- of time. I know, because it's going to keep sputtering out. I know you're going to need to talk about it, but there's a terrible remake of this movie. We will, you will get time. I just think we should corral I, that, that energy real I quick. I know, you're right. Because you're right. we need to start on, at a good place. I agree. And I also do want to like, you know... And by being in the good place, it'll make that even more... I agree bad place no for sure i'm chill i'm chill i'm like hella chill my foot's like barely moving right now no but like uh i do you know like like as we are we are want to say to for most movies that we have not enjoyed i feel like we always are i think pretty upfront about wanting to like say that we respect that people are behind these movies and that like you know this is i'm sure there are people that are behind the 2007 heartbreak kid which is good people you know, it's good oh, people. You know how many people were probably, I mean, as much as like making a remake is always a little bit fraught. I bet there were a ton of people, though, who were very excited, right? Sure. Oh, my God, like the heartbreak, like optimism, I'm sure, about it. It performed, it, it was a commercial success. Yeah. You know? Um, Yay. Funnily enough. Great. If I, if I read that, unless I read the numbers back. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not questioning it. It's just like. Well, now, okay. I, now I'm, I'm still questioning it. Before we get into the hate for that, first impressions or just anything, opening remarks. Yeah, just, um, 
more of the same of what we've kind of just said already, which is that it's a it's seriously a shame that this movie is not more accessible. And after having watched the movie too, I feel even more of just like what a what a miss that is that we that yeah. that isn't something that you can find on on a streaming platform because this is a movie that I think should be regarded maybe when like if we want to bring in all the elements of of both of these films maybe it's not a fair comparison to put it up against like the graduate in terms I of think like that's very perfect. fair i just but i think of like in terms of perfect cinematography although there were some lovely shots like, i mean you know, we were the watching shots we like, were watching it on youtube it was not an ideal format exactly like, it's you true. see a, a clean print of this no i i and i don't even think you know i don't it has some really key shots it has some great shots but so does this movie like you know like you are i don't right think of that. the graduate this this will sound shitty i just it has many visual elements but okay. i don't mm, i don't want to say i don't think of the graduate for its visual elements because i do i mean there's the pool and you know there's all these things pool the leg these, the, the all, all bus this, i mean it is very visual i mean i yeah I'm, i can't support some great, that great shots but, but i i guess i just feel like though when i think about the graduate it's more of a mood I think about or, or that I'm like a yes. wash in. Yeah. Rather than like the graduate, it's like, oh, like it's like a wound, you know? It's like, yeah, a the weird, graduate is an emotional, it's a, like, yeah, it's an emotional response you have to it. That's why it's good. That's why it's yeah. so good. But I had the same feeling to this. This was yeah, like, the heartbreak has so many similar themes and like just, uh, manhood thinking like this is yes. supposed to do this big grand gesture and mm-hmm. going through these weird motions that, are really absurd and like i mean i <laughs> i read something um i don't know who it was but apparently an ex-boyfriend of elaine mays from her like days in chicago when mm-hmm. she was an improviser said something about her how like she thought every everything men took seriously she thought was hilarious you know yeah. and like that's what this movie feels like to me like the joke is on lenny the yeah. joke so i mean this is a, so quickly this is a movie in which um a young couple has just gotten married or they just get married. It's like, Mm -hmm. it happens early on in the story. They get married and they're going on their honeymoon trip to Miami beach on the honeymoon trip. The husband Leonard, uh, well, what happens is his, he's already getting annoyed with his wife. Like he's already kind of realizing like, Oh, I didn't know this woman before I married her. And suddenly all these little foibles are appearing and I'm noticing all of them. And you can see this, you know, Charles Grodin's great at registering psychic pain. You know, you feel every indignity, and it's not to say that you you don't have any empathy with him for that. I mean, the egg salad on the chin, things like that. Anyway, but, you know, this woman inherently has done nothing wrong. They basically have a good thing going. And he meets this other woman uh, after his wife gets a sunburn. Yeah. She gets this nasty sunburn, has to stay in her room. So he meets this other woman. And then the rest of the time of his honeymoon, he spent is just wooing this other woman and trying to figure out how he can get out of his marriage, which he does. And he follows this woman back to her family home, yeah. proceeds to woo her. And it's more or less the story. I mean, he does win- marry her in the end. Yeah. You know, anyone listening to this knows that we don't really actively spoil things, but we also don't try to ruin yeah i would love to talk about that last line but i think no i think we absolutely but, but you end it, this whole story ends with him being just as unsatisfied as when he began essentially exactly. and that like is the like and there's a very lonely sitting with the choices you've made beat that very much <laughs> echoes the end of the graduate where you're oh, like after oh god after totally. everything this is it now like i was 10 once you know yeah i wrote that line down not knowing it was going to be the last line yeah and it was like oh fuck yeah 
and it leaves the, you with that same sense of vacancy. And, uh. Yeah. And like just his expectations of what women, how they were supposed to receive him, yeah. what they were supposed to do. Oh, he certainly did some repulsive, terrible behavior. In oh, terms, he, he did, was very manipulative. But, but you know, the, the woman he falls in love with, what's her name again? Is it? Corcoran. Oh, I want to say Katie. Katie Corcoran. Kelly. Kelly Corcoran. Kelly Corcoran. She herself, though, manipulates him. Oh, absolutely. She's she's definitely not um, There's a nothing. virtuous character. She's 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 a young flirt. Like she's on this vacation with her with her dad. She reminded me of you know the teen the college girls in in White Lotus. I was totally thinking about White she's Lotus. She's very. And yes. I, I would not be shocked at all if there was borrowing if there had been borrowed elements between the two because I'm so they're glad very you said much. That. I was totally thinking about you know, White she, Lotus. She yeah. doesn't quite look as young. Sybil Shepherd's always had that perpetually twenty seven year old like. Yeah, I know. Look. What is that? You know, and that was actually kind of the case across the board with the film, you know, because at one point, you know, yeah. when uh, Charles Grodin's character, Leonard's, yeah. you know, dumping Lila and he's like, well, you're 22. And I was like, God, I kept forgetting that they're not that they're that young. They're that young. I, I know. I was projecting that they're those, like my age, like about he 30. He has one of those faces, though, that he kind of always looks. He always looked like 33. Old, a little like, bit. Yeah. I mean, Charles Grodin is as, it's as good looking as he'll, he's ever been, you know, like in sure, a movie, like sure. in this one. and. They have a a weird relationship that develops from the get-go where, you know, Charles Grodin's character is just really annoyed with his wife um, for, like, not putting on the sunscreen or whatever. And then, and then um, she gets burned. Literally, yeah. No, but then literally oh. in that same scene, that Sybil's character, um, you know, Katie, she, or Kelly, Kelly, she just walks up and, and, like, deliberately bumps into the guy. Yeah. Or bumps into Leonard. It just shamelessly just starts flirting with him and then kind of turns over and sees the wife like, oh, like, yeah. you know, like she she multiple times is like, oh, your cute little wife. Yeah. Oh, where's your cute little wife? Yeah, she is kind of country. She's she's <laughs> she's honestly like she's really this is such a game for her. Right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's that's very no, that's it. Exactly. Unserious. She's it honestly feels like she's mostly doing this actually to piss off her father, which we don't, absolutely like, there's yeah. a whole other movie we're not seeing where yeah, she's yeah. just being a, a deliberately yeah. shitty kid to her parents and, I mean, and you know there's like these things that he's discovering about his wife that he's kind of like oh i didn't know about this about her before right but he's rushing into this other thing i mean he's doing he's repeating all, like all the same behaviors Absolutely. you know like and you know i read some review somewhere that described this movie as a triumph of new york jewish humor yeah in the mainstream he's chasing after you know they do establish that it's a jewish wedding you know mm -hmm. like is the wedding we see him in, and they establish really quickly and they're going to vacation in miami beach you know yeah and they establish really quickly like this is a jewish family and this is a jewish world and he's chasing after this wasp you know yeah. this, this white um blonde haired blue-eyed from minnesota you know family and he does this whole act where he <laughs> I mean, that scene at the dinner table with the family where he's like essentially um, cribbing from that editorial, mm -hmm. you know, that he read and like yeah. just talking about like the soil and the the air. And there's there's no deceit. In yeah, that there's cauliflower. There's no deceit in the cauliflower. Oh, my God. It was so and it's, I, it's such bullshit. And then when the father sees right through it, you're yeah. like, oh, thank God. Yeah, Because absolutely. like you're so fucking annoyed at this point or you should be. However, Charles Grodin talked about how um, he was really troubled by the audience's failure to see this as critique. Yeah, he was. He's a uh, Patrick Bateman of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> no, not really though. Not really. No, not really. But but, he's, but he, a misunderstood character, well, not seen for his flaws. I mean, I have a quote here. It says, "The number of men who tell me how much they love the movie, 
how much they identify with the character while flattering is also somewhat frightening yes and i think he's exactly on the money there and that's what i think this movie gets misinterpreted in all kinds of ways yes Um, and quite literally because there are criticisms of elaine may is that like oh you know she doesn't write these stories that have strong women the women are also ridiculous and all this but okay first of all she cast her daughter Jeannie berlin Mm -hmm. to play opposite you know the wife uh lila the character is so much like the character in a new leaf yeah. that elaine may played i felt like i was seeing that same she was a strong character she but she also was not a total like that's to be like elaine may in a new leaf there was a deliberate sort of a little bit of haplessness and it was just chop, dropping the teacup you're right sort of thing. there was this, way more haplessness she, it, it, whereas in this one which is a little a critique hap- on that character no but, but she's a little haplessness i mean she can't swim yeah she, she fucks up with the sunburn she, yeah yeah yeah. Um, she's a she's a little she's, she's a little fixer upper. Yeah, and, the, and she's like, "What? You can't swim?" She's like, "You knew that." Yeah, she's like, "No, I I did." Yeah. Like, there's all these. So we one other film we've watched now with Charles Grodin was Clifford. Yeah, and Clifford was very much like felt like the. Um, the manifestation of the anxiety of a first child yes. like what if your first child is a fucking monster and you yeah. can't you know like oh and that's kind of clifford this feels kind of like a manifestation of a different sort of anxiety this like anxiety of commitment yes. like it kind of feels like he had like a one night stand woke up but was married you know yes. because he he's so blown he's so blindsided and blown away by her and it, it leads to such wonderful tense like conversation like there's this great line when they're, they're, I don't know if they're in the car or what, but he's like, don't put a Milky Way in someone's mouth when they don't want it. Yeah, that's such a good one. There's so many good oh, lines. There's yeah. so many good lines, but it just, it feels kind of like somebody's nightmare come to fruition. Absolutely. And I think it's like a lot, I think maybe the thing that, right, is disturbing is that, oh, it was a lot of young men's nightmare, apparently. Yes. And um, the fact that, yeah, you you should not be rooting for this guy. That, yes. That's that's basically the point we're trying to make here. No, totally. I think I think uh, he's a child. He is he is childish, and it's there is a, a disappointing. Like, yeah, there's also like a Men in Blondes thing going on here too. Just like oh yeah, just like falling over yourself for like that perfect white like uh, yeah, like yeah. sorry I just. I get it. Like Sybil Shepherd is perfectly cast because yes. I hate her. <laughs> like, she well, she's like playing that. Or I hate up the character too. She's she very, plays. She's, she's very self-assured. Like that, you yeah. know. There are multiple instances. She's she, a homewrecker. She brings the Charles Grodin's character in front of her father. Just like you can see just her watching her father to be like, yeah, I don't, I'm going to blow his top. Like yeah. I, I know you don't want me to be with this guy. I'm just trying to piss you <sighs> off. Like, and then like she goes back. I mean, the, her vacation ends and they leave, and she goes back to Minnesota where she like is going to school, and she's yeah. like surrounded by men, just yeah. surrounded by these like it's like these tall, three very, tall Svens, very so <laughs> yes, a whole bunch of Svens. Like she, it, it is like this yeah waspy white world up there. Yes, you know. Um, so I, I learned that this story was based on a short, or this movie is based on a short story called A Change of Plan, uh, which is yeah. kind of what happens, sure, by Bruce J. Friedman. And it was published in 1966 in Esquire. Uh, and then Neil Simon adapted it into the screenplay. Of course, right. And of course, Elaine May directed it. Uh, Jeannie Berlin, who played Lila, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Eddie Albert, who played the father, was mm-hmm. also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Pauline Kael from the New York Times in her review uh, said, Elaine May has the rarest kind of comic gift, the ability to create a world seen comically. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a really nice way to describe this. So true. Again, it just ties to the the naturalism of the humor. Is yeah, very, it's, it's very. It's there are very absurd things that happen, but yeah. it's very believable. It's also a film that both the the content and the creators themselves. It's steeped. It's part of the Hollywood Jewish new wave. Yes. like it, it's most of the the major keys and supporting people, producer, writer, director. They're all Jewish. It's not necessarily trying to be that. Right. Or labeling itself in that way. But it's important to acknowledge that it is. Like, I read an interesting critique, um, the Academy Museum that just opened mm -hmm. Los Angeles. A lot of people are raving about it. They say it's really cool. But I did see a think piece kind of describing, hey, you kind of left out the fact that, like, you know, Jewish people built Hollywood. Yeah. Um, there's really no mention of that anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, that's a little funny. Yeah. So... I don't want to say mad libs. There's a crude way of looking at it, but you couldn't. You could sort of swap in other socioeconomic people. You know, you could. You could. It doesn't necessarily have to be in yeah. looking it through that Jewish cultural lens to appreciate no. this film. This is just like but a you, very American problem. I feel like it, absolutely. And it's, it's also it's a, a human it's problem. A, it's a human. It's a class issue. It's a very much. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 not really necessary. I mean, you really they really drive the point home that he's he's less driven. He finds her very uh, physically attractive. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. But no, also, it's very thing. much it is a class lust thing too. Yeah. And, um, oh yeah. No, that's a and really there's solid this point. admiration I think people maybe had for Charles Grodin's um, ambition because he, he was so like able to tell these very very detailed wild stories so mm -hmm. confidently. He he does he has a bit of like a Frank Abagnale. Uh, vibe the way he goes up to like the college the kids and like is grilling them about their names and the drugs and oh my god you know, yeah he when has he a, poses as the narcotics officer he's just really good at bullshitting I mean <laughs> it was a good power move it did impress her yeah he does these he does these things his power moves number of times you know and and is, he's lying to his wife and you know and, and, he's, and it he's, is kind of he is very clever in all his deceits I mean like yeah. the way he reasons with his with Lila he's like, not yeah he's not like a bumbling fool no he's you know? worked it out like he, I mean he's for as smart as he is he is also very stupid like and, and it's it, like misapplied yeah. ambition exactly it's like misapplied like his dedication th that he shows uh -huh. you know like once i you know set my mind to something you know it's like right conveniently that is the identity you're racing right now because you want to get this girl yeah but then he gets her and then he's like at this gentile wedding and he's completely surrounded by wasps and nobody like him is anywhere and he's just sitting on a sofa by himself and whew. yeah yeah no it's, it's lonely uh, it's like oh that's not gonna end well yeah he just isolated himself but you know if it, if it didn't end that way though i'd be angry yeah right like or at least i don't know i'm not trying to tell you that you should be angry but I think I would be frustrated if he didn't um, face some sort of comeuppance. Yeah, and and if the comeuppance is truly just like the recognition of like ah shit, like there's that that hole again. Yeah, it's like yeah, of course, yeah, that that yeah. is what happened. Kitty, kitty, <laughs> she wants toys. I will say I do yeah. just appreciate that his character yes. was for all of his industriousness and ambition meant to be specific like you yeah. elaine may and neil simon they're not shying away from the fact that this guy is being an asshole you no. know he's oh, not no. he's not a redeeming he doesn't have any redeeming qualities necessarily no no um and, and you know uh he or he's not necessarily supposed to be a redeemable figure no. versus i think of the 2007 movie they 
they're really trying to go out of their way to make him more sympathetic, which he's not meant to be sympathized with. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I heard you talk a little bit about how frustrated you were by what you saw of the, the remake. And I, I do think there's something interesting there that like, there were all these men who came up to Groden, right. And identified, uh-huh. it was like the Farrelly brothers were one of those people like, or, or sets of people yeah. or whatever. They were like, they were representing that viewpoint. Exactly. That, like they, they, the misinterpretation that like, yes. you didn't see it as critique and you did a remake that is completely absent of even any attempt at critique it's the, it, 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 imagine this movie but without any sense of like that self-awareness yes, about it really exactly and um, like that sounds awful yeah and it I pass yeah you said um, it did well at the box office it, yeah it, it made uh twice its budget back you know it's technically a commercial success and i mean you know ben stiller he's this looked like another movie i think like in the same vein as like uh you know meet the parents and along came polly plays this kind of encumbered guy who's struggling with like uh, women be needy or women's family you know like oh man Mm -hmm. you know i'm just this guy i'm just trying my best and i always have bad luck Ah, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know uh, (laughs) and i just got a parking ticket (laughs) you know and um no i which i've already i already just do not like that in general i i personally was not a fan of meet the parents i get i get it much more now but i I, it was one of those movies i went to see at the like the dollar theater we had this place called the danbury dollar saver south and it was a place you went for a second run and i saw a lot of movies that were not good for like two dollars yeah yeah and i think that was one of them but it was but it was one i remember people really roaring in the aisles at yeah oh i mean i think i (laughs) She want to play. Oh, my God. Uh, this movie opened in December 1972. Some other movies that were out around then. Poseidon Adventure, oh. Avanti, Sleuth, Man of La Mancha, and Travels with My Aunt. And this is the era of Pong okay. and Nixon. Yes. In case anyone needed a refresher on 1972. Sometimes. And the Forrest Gump timeline. This is when he... Uh, this is... Do you have a shrimp uh, boat yet? <laughs> This is it, this no. This is probably a right around the time he had been sent home after getting he had shook hands with the president after he had gotten shot in the buttocks, yes. and then uh, became a ping pong. Yeah, yeah you pronounced that correctly. You said he shook hands. Shook hands with the press. Shook. Got shot in the buttocks. Okay. She needs. I'm sorry. That's okay. This is. She's clearly like phone break. Okay, so that's all we know really about the heartbreak kid. I tried to find more information about you know. It's production and whatnot, but I couldn't find much. Um, you know, mostly what you need to know, this is the second film of Elaine Mays. It was probably the most critically well-received. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how it did at the box office, unlike the remake. Uh, I I have no idea if it made back or went over budget or what. Um, oh, this is the, the original film? Yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't list. It lists in rentals a, a, a solid chunk of change. Yeah, but... things are reported differently over the years, so yeah. you can't always get that detail. But, you know, I just want to get back to the director's chair a little bit and talk some more about Elaine May. Sure. Uh, again, we, we did talk about her in our very first episode, so you can get kind of a general biography there. Um, she's one of the few women who really has done the writing to directing path. And for a time, she was the only woman directing in the studio system. She was definitely known as a script doctor. A lot of uncredited 
work on things. She adapted Such Good Friends in 1971 under the pseudonym Esther Dale. She was the uncredited co-writer of Tootsie. We mentioned that in our last mm-hmm. episode. The woman who's been devoted to stories of comedy that relate to the interdependence of neurotic characters. Uh, she has been quoted as saying, you can kill somebody straight or you can kill somebody funny. Mm-hmm. Funnier is closer to life. Mm. I think about the Coen brothers, actually, when I read that yeah you know how many deaths are kind of like oddly funny but then like sad because they were funny because they were sort of undignified and isn't that cruel how life can be oh absolutely can kill you and kill you in a funny way (laughs) like famously elaine may hasn't had an interview since 1967 crazy you know, and she very much issues press rooms, doesn't like going to big events. When she won her Tony in 2016 yeah. for um, the Waverly Gallery, after she gave her acceptance speech, she didn't go into the press room like most people do. She just went and sat back down in her seat and watched the rest of the show, yeah. looking very unimpressed. Wow. <laughs> so Here's the thing, you know, like she shout out to Elaine May and any other any other role models who, you know, didn't they don't network. You know, that's my that's my struggle as a networking and good on her. She didn't. She didn't do the. I like that about her. It makes me like. It's probably. It's like the exact opposite advice you get all the time. Yeah. Which is why it's so attractive. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know, it was power moves. She did give an interview in 1975, technically, and mm. this is from uh, an interview she gave at the New School for Social Research in New York. Comments about writing a movie script. I wanted to see if I could get away with it, and they cut it out. Cut it right to the throat. I mean. They do not cut out the peripheral stuff. They cut out exactly what you wrote the thing for. They know somehow. In doing the first movie, A New Leaf, I realized it was quite an insane industry. And I was new enough to know it. You would not be able to open a fruit stand that way. I mean, they would laugh you out of town. You just take, <laughs> you just take a chance. You experiment and you fall on your ass. The world does not offer it to you, no. This country does not offer it to you. It's a bad setup for people who are in the arts. It's really hard to work here. Mike Nichols once said that if you have a career, your career is diametrically opposed to your work. And that's true. It's like a credit rating. I mean, you just really are terrified if you miss a phone bill because you know at some place there's some computer that's recording it all and someone will call it up and give you a bad rating. And that's Mm -hmm. a very hard atmosphere to go ahead and experiment in. So after a while, you just say, forgive me, fuck it, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to. That was the part I really wanted. Oh, that's a great quote. I wanted to take a picture of that on my phone. Uh, you can, yeah, we'll we'll get yeah. that worked out. Mistakes happen. That you can't pl- let that paralyze. That you. whole like, there's some, pl- you know, that some place there's a computer that's recording it all. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, that's, that's so, so contemporary. That is yeah. so like right now. So prophetic. This is some of the avoiding press. I think she yeah. understands that like I don't I won't spoil anything. She's not trying to create a paper trail. Yeah. And it's a really interesting approach to it, yeah. to life, to this work, It, you know, and maybe it didn't serve for the best, but I don't know. I also find it, I, I, I don't know. Um, on our last episode about her, we did sort of talk about she she had a fast, sort of fast life, right? Yeah. Um, she quit school at 14. She was married at 16. Yeah. She had her daughter Jeannie at 18. And then when the marriage ended, um, she left Jeannie with her mother and Elaine hitchhiked to the University of Chicago because they accepted students without high school diplomas. If you didn't have a high school Mm -hmm. diploma, they said, that's okay. You you can come enroll here anyway. We'll accept you. She never enrolled. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what she did do was fall in with like the beat theater kids and, you know, audited classes and did things like that. And she got really, uh, she got involved with a group called the Compass Players who essentially the founders went on to create Second City. Compass Players is one of the first improvisational groups in the country. 
you know, theatrically, it's a big deal. This is where she meets Mike Nichols. But, you know, he, I will say he couldn't improvise until he met Elaine. Wow. Then she kind of opened up something for him. She always played challenging and sophisticated women. Mm-hmm. You know, she understood improv as like, it's about possibilities. And she never made herself into like a nurse, a wife or a sister or whatever. She would make herself right. the doctor, the psychiatrist, the employer, or, you know, someone said the wicked witch. <laughs> Elaine, she got connected to a woman named Viola Spolin, who's kind of regarded as the high priestess of improvisation. She came up with mm-hmm. like theater games, you know, as a mm. concept and all that. This was a woman who really, uh, she was a WPA children's theater teacher. And she spent a lot of time working with kids and like was very much focused on like living and organic non-authoritarian creative environments mm-hmm. felt like this is the only way you're going to grow and achieve any kind of artistic freedom and very much right brain intuition the unknown yeah and this really unlatched something in elaine and once that happened she just people noticed like she was just this incredibly gifted improviser mm-hmm. and a lot of it right i mean we have listeners who care about comedy but for those of you who like don't, you know, there's plenty of people who don't know anything. I mean, it's improv isn't necessarily about being funny. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like about life. Right. It's about like being in a moment. Well, the, yeah. The, the funniest scenes tend to be that the, they really are very grounded or they're, they're very, uh, you're, you're not necessarily, you're not playing for a laugh line. Exactly. And that, that playing part, you know, the, this thing that uh, Spolin taught them was to cure themselves of this approval, disapproval syndrome. I love that. It's a complete anathema to the creative impulse. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, like the right. You can't be going for a laugh all the time because yeah. that's the approval. That's the approval thing. And yes. Like, and I don't know. I just found all this really fascinating because I think like it all speaks to her magic. And it speaks to like there's a really fantastic interview with her in The New York Times from 1967 that, you know, if you can read it it's it's fabulous but you but you read it and you realize that oh the whole thing's a bit and she's just really kind of the reporter gets it fortunately but she's kind of having him on and it's really funny it's just like a really funny interview and this kind of this thought that like you can kind of keep up that performance artness and like you can keep up this expectation of you as being this incredible wit Mm -hmm. if you kind of minimize how often you have to do it because i mean she's given some i mean she uh what was it mike nichols oh fuck i should have looked this detail up it was either his birthday or some award ceremony for him where she Uh gave this like incredible incredibly funny speech for him um and like two minutes in he's got like tears streaming down his face because he's laughing so hard because they just like (laughs) knew how to cut each other up perfectly yeah um i don't know she's just she's had a few you know she's had plenty of um well not plenty but there's all this like recognition that's kind of catching up to her now, which is yeah. like great, but definitely long overdue. And, um, you know, she was given the national medal of arts, which is like a presidential medal. She got yeah. that in 2013. Um, and not that that's like, the, but you know, it's something. Um, and in 2016, the writers guild of America gave her a lifetime achievement award. And I believe she, her acceptance speech for that is also pretty funny from what I understand. Um, right. although I, I always was under, given to understand this really cynical way that when you get a lifetime achievement award it's essentially saying oh your career is over mm-hmm. and it's like mm. yeah it's kind of like and you're done you're done clap it out, clap it out. <laughs> like oh no you, can, you get to rest now <laughs> you earned it you know we got a lot of positive responses to, to covering her 
this woman does not give interviews and I still tried to like reach out to whatever publicist email I could find to like see if we you know because yeah you know we that's dope because we put it on the vision board we said we want to have Elaine May but I'm like and I wrote in the message to the publicist like we have no sponsorship we have no funding um we have a very small audience you're so <laughs> you're so badass that you did that well i mean like you gotta reach for the stars you know i fucking love that i was you just like, you never know i mean i don't know how to book anybody so yeah. why not her yeah no but i say <laughs> but like no but truly though like why not I, her if she were i just thought to, i'll to be interested in any outlet i'll embarrass know. myself with a non-response i don't care yeah i don't give a shit i mean at least it's flattering we're not anybody maybe that would get her cure yourself of the approval disapproval syndrome i love that so much um that is so important and at the same time especially uh, you know i think feel like i feel like just before the the these big institutions kind of got busted so to speak like over the last couple years or so it's like yeah i I just feel like some of that upheaval it's like realizing those systems that got built up into what they were were actually entirely about approval yeah and the right people's approval approval there's a lot of impurity i mean (laughs) you know it's a Um, it's a sick business i mean you know may talks about this when you put a hierarchy in it it's going to turn into uh, that you know you know and all the schools are guilty i'm not calling no 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 no. i mean like it's it's um there's always a hierarchy right you know it's true it is true so true it's true because even if you're all like on the same level somebody's you know cuter i always figured if i lived on a commune that was all like peace and love or whatever there's still like the favored oh there's still petty everything are you kidding me Uh, yeah i don't know any other elaine may thoughts or or movie thoughts like more notes about the movie i'm like where's the rest of my i mean other than to unload about the 2007 one you can keep going if you need to this is, you know, for however much flack Elaine May's gotten her criticism for being held to a stupid standard about how she should be representing her own gender on oh a film. Oh, God. Then you look yeah. at the Farrelly Brothers movie, which just, you know. Yeah. The fucking, I, see, I think I'm going to say her name, Malin Ackerman. You know, they have her playing the Lila character mm-hmm. in the remake, and she is... I think still a perfectly fine person. She just, they, but they went out of their way to really just try and play up what like, like that she was so crazy mm-hmm. that, that she was beyond just like the odd quirks that get under your skin, like the way someone chews or their laugh. It's mm-hmm. beyond, they mm-hmm. make her into this farcically like fucked up. She's yeah. there's always, there's always liquids coming out of her nose oh, and just God. like, you know, like she, she takes like a, a hideous shit in the bathroom. Oh, like, on her honeymoon. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they really go out of their way to try and like make her gross to make her gross, yeah. to make you sympathize with yeah, Ben Stiller whereas it was more of like in the uh, I mean in yeah. this in this movie she's kind of like just like an annoying jinx almost like you know more than I would say it's like it's more of just like in this the original one they're really just getting um I think it's it's less about what she's doing and so much more about what how he is, is magnifying like we, yes. the way the camera is focused on her mouth when she's yeah. in egg salad, which yeah. I thought reminded me right away of Anomalisa mm-hmm. and because it's a very similar situation where this yeah. um, the character is infatuated with a woman and then after an, you know the, like a, a very 
romantic evening in a hotel room or whatever. They spend the next day together and yeah. just right away she's talking, she's eating, there's egg on her mouth in that scene yeah, too. Yeah. And I wonder if there's an, an homage there or I not. mean, because he's just staring and they're doing claymation of this, but it's like, it doesn't matter. That fixation. Yeah. yeah. On no, her. you're right. The, the, his magnification of the thing, like it could, yes, you know, it's, it's much smaller. Through the stuff. eyes of love, any of those things could be accepted yeah or, or at least tolerated because I've, I've met he, far more obnoxious people than this oh than yeah she, this she's movie. pretty low-key like, she's, she's actually pretty normal she's kind of sedate and chill and not pretentious i thought of it more of like my nightmare in a way because like yeah. i do i do be saying things like do you love me or i do i do be acting needy sometimes yeah. with my own boyfriend I mean, and like i just would hate to think it's like oh yeah i also when they showed up in miami i am like living for that 1972 miami beach look that she has oh yeah she with looks the so big great. sunglasses and the kerchief like mm-hmm. the silk kerchief oh my god she i just such great hair too oh, god she was lovely like she's you know, great she was great she was so funny and like it, there were scenes that reminded me of a new leaf like when they're in the car and she's unbuttoning her shirt yeah and he's just kind of like i have i have to be able to shift I just i have to be able to shift you yeah. know like it reminded me of the like don't let them out you know yeah, yeah don't let them out like, <laughs> like this kind of like i don't it, he's not as asexual as that character was yeah. but but there are these elements of oh, you're so ridiculous and i can't and i'm just gonna run circles around you yeah. like while i try to arrange what it is i really want and i don't know it's there's a lot of the same selfish maleness and um where people have said that um elaine may casting her daughter in this role was a bit uh sadistic on her part because it's i i don't think so so much because i I think the joke is ultimately on leonard the the joke should be on leonard but i think some people saw this and felt it was just kind of cruel in a way to make her this object of revulsion i I felt like Jeannie bergen was entirely uh like in it, it, like she she had authority over hers i'm trying to find she had agency yeah she was self-aware and i think her whole performance was well she didn't really have time on screen to like resolve much like he divorces her kind of going out the door yeah but but, but I say, by the same token i will say like every scene you know interestingly even though these ones that are supposed to to mm-hmm. annoy you or whatever and she's still a very grounded relatable character you know i think um you know even like the way she was whining like with the once she got sunburnt yeah i thought he was being way too me i was like i would be the same i've I've done that when i've been arrogant and like like i i wanted to get a really good tan tan. oh and she was like you know it's just it was was you're not gonna be a normal person until wednesday he's shouting at her he's so mad at that point yeah at that point i'm like well this is just what relationships are sometimes you know that was a pretty sublime cut though to go from like her refusing it yeah she just instantly burned i also thought there was a great cut in the father you know well you love kelly well so do i and then it's like cut to the wedding yeah like after he's just tried to offer him twenty five thousand dollars which i was wondering how much would that be in present day money i didn't do the calculation but just a lot a lot a lot a hundred and sixty four thousand dollars yeah over a hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money cool cumulative rate of inflation 556.2 percent jesus that's depressing he really wanted that wasp he really wanted him gone yeah oh no i was saying oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're right both both and they both yeah 
God, see, this is on. This is the man and woman's nightmare. Yeah. Like imagine yeah, yeah. you open up to someone, you know, and then this happens, and she's Fuck, really yeah. actually it was. Fuck this guy. And then when you when you really look, go back and think about it, it's like. She wanted to pro- she wanted to give him a blowy in the car. Right. She went she had a little bit of food on her mouth. She got a sunburn. Yeah, she's not she's not a she's not And a, then and then everything after else after that like I can't swim and this and that. It's like, yeah. well, you know, you never would you don't marry someone about because you care if they can swim. Well, like, I think it's funny that's like, well, I married this woman too fast, so how am I going to fix this problem? Um by rushing into a whole different relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like you're doing the exact same thing and the the he turns into a child around Kelly. Yes. And they're on the beach and he's just like, "Your laugh like he just loved you're like, an incredible woman yeah oh you're wonderful and like yeah. it's, it's so funny the way he's doing it is yeah. very like sketchy it's, in that sense it's it so is. no and it just like doesn't it just doesn't make sense like how he's so out of control she's so in control and how does he not see that she's just toying with him he just doesn't he's just he yeah just is like no like you're the one I want and I now am going to get you. I, I don't know. It's just, I, 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 I oh, such a frustrating, I agree. Frustrating character. I do feel like an honest meal. There was a, <laughs> one of the lines I really liked was just oh, well. Kelly going when he's like, he's just going on and on at yeah. her. And he's like, well, what do you tell me? What do you think of all that? And he's like, and she's like, well, I can't, like would she say i can't think if i'm listening (laughs) which i just thought was such a real like an honest answer yeah i found that it wasn't even necessarily supposed to be a joke line but i found that very funny yeah that's so funny think if i'm listening i mean and she essentially repeats the behavior he's complaining about in that car like and it and he just falls for it all over again Mm -hmm. even though he's like oh i get it i was something to do but then it's like but you still don't get it like yeah oh my god no he's then he's manipulating her at that point when he starts complaining about everything he's like i gave up this i did that that scene is like so like frustrating and wonderful at the same time because it's like it's yeah it's really holding a mirror up to some people who need it held up to them and like again the fact that people it escaped people's notice that this was critique you know, it's going to happen, but uh, it is a little troubling, you know. Yeah. Um, man, what a good ending. Yeah. Very good ending. It was strong. I, I didn't even realize. Yeah. I just want to hear it again. I, I, I was 10 once. Like I was 10 once. Wow. Please write us a review. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you hung out with us this long, you must <laughs> like us enough to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I hate, well, I don't hate to say it. It's just the truth. Um if you leave us a review on Apple podcasts, it really helps, um, new people find us and helps strangers, uh, see us and we get ranked in a way. And we that, appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's also nice to read your comments and your thoughts, but I mean, honestly, you know, you could say anything and if you don't have the energy to write, um, just tell somebody about us. Tell your mom. I love it. Uh, I don't know what else to beg them to do. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. Clap wait. your hands. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait, no, the sound. Jump uh, up and down. Do a, do oh. a, thanks for joining us on our 20th episode. Episode 20. Yay. We could just run through yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to. Here, all right, here. All right. Hang on. We did that. That off. Let me. Episode 20. Yeah, episode 20. Episode 20. Episode 
Tore Cool. <laughs> and it was like, episode 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 20. I know. Uh, I didn't have anything else to say, you guys. I'm so sorry. That one takes a long time. I like, see the countdown. I was like, do we still have 10 seconds? That was just like All every right. open mic. There's one more. Oh, God. This is like a minute long. I don't know about this. Oh, yeah. Episode 20. We started at one, and then two, then three, then four, then five, then six, then seven, then eight, then nine, then ten, eleven, and twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Now it's twenty. Episode twenty. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Episodes after episode one. It's episode. Then we'll do 21, ooh. <laughs> and then we're gonna keep going till we stop. And that's the way podcasts work. La, 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 la. That was incredible. Really? I, I couldn't even look at you. Thank you for listening to A Breath of Fresh Movie. You can follow us on Twitter at Fresh Movie Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at A Breath of Fresh Movie. Or you can email us, we actually prefer that, at a breath of fresh movie at gmail.com.